from Birmingham, Alabama. You're listening to the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. I'm your host, Gary Furr, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. Whether you're sitting in your favorite chair or riding along in the car, I'm glad we're going to get to spend this time together. It's President's Day 2023, and over the weekend, the news about President Carter moving to hospice came across the airwaves along with everything else going on and took me down a memory road of how Jimmy Carter, not just as president, but as a human being, a Baptist, a Baptist I was proud of. There are sure a lot of Baptists I'm not proud of. But he was one that was a hero. He was elected president about the time I finished college. And then in the years since he was president, he has set the bar so high for public service, Christian faith, and consistency of life. He's a person worth imitating and knowing about. But his life was always about faith in Christ and how to live that out in public life as best we can in the context of a still recovering deep south that is still tainted with the shadow of the history of racism and reconstruction and injustice that we are still sorting out. President Carter had the courage to hit all those things head on. It made people mad and got him into controversies. And what you're going to see, as you've seen all weekend, is people posting their pictures with Jimmy Carter. And I think that's great. The fact is there are thousands of people that have pictures with Jimmy Carter because you could go to his Sunday school class when he was in town and be there. And it got me to thinking back at how accessible this man was working on habitat houses next to regular folks, doing things to promote the elimination of disease in the world, promoting Christian unity and unity among Baptist folk. Of course, my first glimpse of Jimmy Carter was just on TV like everybody else. And then in 1986, when I moved to southwest Georgia to a little town called Blakely, and I was at the First Baptist Church, People would talk about when he came through and campaigned, and even uh, one of my deacons had uh, kept him in the house there and had a sign up over his toilet, Jimmy Carter sat here. His mama, Miss Lillian, had run what was the hospital there at one time, and I don't know if it was hospital or nursing home, but they said she ran it with an iron fist and took no prisoners. I can believe that. The Carters did whatever they did all out, and they expected everybody else to give their best. But while I was pastor there, of course, I'd been a follower of Millard Fuller and before him, Clarence Jordan, to young Baptist preachers coming along in the heyday of Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement. Clarence Jordan was somebody you looked up to. 
And so I was going to drive up through the country. It wasn't that far to America's Georgia and see it all. Had to go somewhere for a hospital visit, I think, in Columbus. So I did a little shortcut, and I stopped by the town of Plains, Georgia, and I went to Hugh Carter's store. So I stopped in the store and had a chat with Hugh, just a classic old Southern character, and we were talking, and I asked him, you know, does Jimmy actually get out around town very often? He said, oh, yeah. He said, you're liable to see him anytime." He said, gets out here and rides his bike every now and then. We said, well, there he goes now. And I turned around, and there was President Carter riding on a bicycle, and right behind him, four Secret Service agents, and right behind them, a van load of Secret Service agents. I guess that's the way you had to live after you had been President of the United States. Sometime before I finished my time in Blakely, Georgia, in 1993, I think it might have been 91 or 2, uh, we were off on a Sunday. My associate was filling in for me, and so we took the opportunity at the end of vacation to stop and uh, go to Sunday school and hear President Carter. And it was wonderful Bible lesson. He taught very simply and directly, kindly. He would pose with every single person that wanted to have their picture made and never seemed irritated about that. We had our th three children with us, and our two oldest daughters went into the youth Sunday school class. They were the only ones there that Sunday. And the president's wife, Rosalind, was the youth Sunday school teacher. So they had her all to themselves. But uh, afterwards, we got the girls, the two older girls were in in her class, and they said, uh, she came rushing in. She said, I'm just as sorry as I can be. I, I, I was running late getting dressed, and Jimmy kept saying, come on, Rosalind, come on, the Secret Service is waiting for us. And there they had had a former president's wife all to themselves for an hour teaching a Sunday school lesson. And we sat in the pew, and here came the Carters and the Millard Fullers, and they plopped on the pew right in front of us. And after church, we got our picture made like all the other tourists that were there. It just felt really, really good. It's so real. The next time I got to see President Carter was in 2005 when my wife and I took sabbatical and went to the 100th anniversary of the Baptist World Alliance. Now, the Baptist World Alliance is an organization of cooperative effort to create unity among Baptist people around the world. These are independent conventions and groups, and if you know anything about Baptists, you know what a daunting task that is. Baptists were once described as a peculiar and contentious people, and that's us. We grow by splitting churches and groups. But the Baptist World Alliance organizes around simple things, theological education and reflection, um, sharing the gospel of Christ, advocating for justice, and fighting against injustice in the world, and feeding the poor and caring for those in need. They're good things. And at this 100th anniversary, uh, President Jimmy Carter taught the Sunday school lesson to the entire gathering from around the world. The next time I saw President Carter was in 2009 when 
after the New Baptist Covenant happened in Atlanta. They planned to do some regional meetings, and I co-hosted that with my good friend Arthur Price at 16th Street Baptist Church, and President Carter came, and all kinds of Baptist folk from everywhere, Canada, United States, all kinds of Baptist organizations, African-American, uh, predominantly African-American uh, convention groups, groups that had been separated from one another by history and the pain of all of that. But coming together to hear President Carter as he preached to us and taught that day about the need for us to work together and to care for the poor and to overcome racial division. He didn't talk politics, although breaching those lines and building harmony is pretty controversial still. And with the resurgence of white supremacy and fascist movements now, it's it's pretty uh, overwhelming to think that we are still a long way from where President Carter hoped we would be. But they had a breakfast for pastors that morning, and Arthur sat on one side and I sat on the other. I've got a picture in my office at home. And he talked to us and just told us our friendship was a wonderful thing and he encouraged it. And just the same thing that I think he does everywhere he goes. And I know this is the last mile of the way for his life. He's had a long life, a good life. And I just want to take this President's Day to thank President Jimmy Carter and Rosalind for what they gave to all of us and for the inspiration to service, to overcoming division and hate with Christian love and to doing something for others in need. We really need that right now. And hearing that news this weekend has caused me to think back on those meetings and particularly in 2009 and his call to us to keep fighting to make peace to stand up for the poor, and to build understanding where there is hysteria and irrational fear. These are the words I wrote right after President Carter was here in 2009. I sensed a great hunger, not merely among Baptist folk, but all people at the meeting, to figure out in this disconnected, hostile, stressed out, challenging time to find something deeper and more lasting that can help us through life. I believe that is most powerfully found in practicing the teachings and example of Jesus. The call to love one another is not a platitude or a cliche. It is a prescription for what ails us. We need authentic communion with God and each other. It is what God made us to experience. It takes reaching out, but it can always happen with God's help. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, was a man of broad spirit and reconciling heart. He sought Christian cooperation in every way possible. And he once preached a sermon on 2 Kings 10:15, which said, when Jehu left there, he met, met uh, Jehonadab, son of Rechab, coming to meet him. He greeted him and said to him, is your heart as true to mine as mine is to yours? Jehonadab answered, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand. 
Jehu took him up with him into the chariot. Wesley said, But although a difference in opinions or modes of worship may prevent an, an entire external union, yet need it prevent our union in affection. Though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart, though we are not of one opinion. Without all doubt, we may. Herein all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences. In other words, unity of heart, spirit, and love can exist even though we must have differences that will take longer to resolve. We begin with this willingness to know a fellow Christian's heart and build upon the possibility of fellowship. It does not mean give up our convictions, but we must begin with the hardest and highest call Jesus gave to us to love one another as he loved us. This is not what we do once we have worked out all our disagreements, our differences, or our hurts with one another. Forgiveness itself is born out of obedience to the Savior's call to love one another. Do you love Jesus Christ? So do I. If our hearts are one, even if all else is not yet, then give me your hand. This is the miracle of Christian community, and I would add the hope of an angry, hostile, and troubled world. Here it is 14 years later. I might have thought we'd be further down that road than we ought to be. And in fact, it's gone the opposite direction. We desperately need something better. Give me your hand. There's so much to do that doesn't require that we work it all out. At least that's what I heard Jimmy say. And I think he was right. I'm Gary Furr, and this is the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. Thanks for joining me today. You can find my music at G-A-F-U-R-R, gafur.com, and you can go to my blog site for lots of other information and writings at garyfur.me, G-A-R-Y-F-U-R-R.me. Once again, thank you so much. Join me next time on the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress.